welcome to our uh, tabletop role-playing game freelance mentorship or the TTRPG freelance mentorship podcast um, hosted by Decker Days Radio. I am Crystal Mazur. I am going to be the host um, for our very first episode in this series called Getting Started in Freelance Writing. Um, a brief overview of our series is that the goal for this is to help people who are interested in freelancing or curious about how freelancing works. Maybe they are fans of some of the writers for some of the RPGs. They follow them on, on social media and are curious about what it is they do. Um, or somebody who is in freelancing already and maybe struggling with a certain part of freelancing or wanting to connect with other writers. Um, and we're taking certain chunks of freelancing and breaking them apart and dedicating an entire episode to them. I will also be including show notes so that if you are looking for specific answers to questions, we can definitely, uh, or you will definitely be able to search that out within the show notes. So um, I am here with my two, the first guests that I have for this podcast series, which is Carrie Poli and uh, David Whitworth. Hello. So, hello. <laughs> hello. Um, and just for full disclosure, Carrie is my sister-in-law, um, and David is a part of the Darker Days Radio podcast series. So, um, on to, oh, uh, on to um, our news section. So... Some quick news. First off, Gen Con is coming up. Um, hopefully this podcast released before Gen Con. That's the goal. Um, myself and Chig are going to be recording two um, different panels. First one is Horror in Gaming, where we are going to have hosts from Chaosium, as well as from um, Modifius and Renegade Studios. And uh, we are also going to be recording a Darker Days Radio podcast episode, and Chick and I are going to be taking questions, but also going into some other fun stuff on that. I am also hosting or co-hosting a panel on this topic, so the TTRPG Freelance Mentorship with Pat Edwards, who is a writer that I worked with on um, both Sirens as well as The Red Opera. We are going to be co-hosting this panel they're live. Um, I'm guessing yeah. there's going to be no coffee in, in various forms. During those. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the form that, yeah, no, no, not that specific form. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've been uh, debating Sorry. on pixie sticks just because I want to be Chig's problem. <laughs> pixie yeah, sticks. Yeah, make, make Chig do some work for once. <laughs> He's going to listen to this and be like, oh, man. All right. In other gaming news, <laughs> um, Trinity Continuum um, Aether, which is the Victorian steampunk um, setting for Trinity, um, is currently on Kickstarter for the next 20-ish days. Um, if you are a fan of Trinity at all, um, it is a fantastic Kickstarter, fantastic game. Um, beautiful art. Look it up. Um, and then, Dave, did you want to do these other ones? 
Yes, yes. So as, as Gen Con is coming up, that means we also have the Ennies on, on the way. Um, and so we've got the voting going out there uh, in kind of relation to the Darker Days radio theme. Cult Divinity Lost is up for a couple of Ennies within that category. So the Labyrinths and Secret Chambers uh, book is up for best cartography and best RPG related book. I know last year the best cartography was won by Alien Destroyer of Worlds, and that is a fantastic, fantastic system. Yep. So they're, they're, in, they're in a good crowd with that one. And also the Beyond Darkness and Madness um, scenario, I think it's a scenario, is up for best writing as well. So Cult is up there with some of the good ones. On a side note, there's also one of my favourite games has gone up for a few of them, which is um, Thirsty Sword Lesbians has is up for a fair few um, Ennies as well, and we need yes. to we definitely need to get that game going at some point, don't we, Crystal? Yes, yes, we do. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. I I, I need to be in on that. Oh, it's fantastic! Oh, it's it's absolutely beautiful game. It's open world, all about relationships and just having so much fun with it. Um, but that's for another day, and it's not really horror, so we'll kind of skip over that one. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, um, Hunter 5th Edition is now out in PDF and physical copy. Uh, and I know that Chris and possibly Pete will be hopefully doing a review of that soon. Um, yeah, we got to give them time to read it. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> We, the PDF has been out for a, a couple of weeks and the physical book is now shipping to people. So yeah, the next in the fifth edition World of Darkness books is out and available for people. Go check it out um, and we'll have a review for that soon. Um, yeah. And I think that's it really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so quick time with Gen Con for both of your announcements is that I will be at the Ennies um, cheering on all of my um, friends who are nominated this year and hopefully toasting to them winning. <laughs> um, and then also there is a Hunter 5 launch party hosted by Renegade Studios, which is at the same time as the Ennies, unfortunately. Um, but if you are not going to the Ennies, because it's not really your bag, that is okay. Um, you can totally go to the Hunter 5 launch party um, and hang out with ev almost every single writer that is at Gen Con will be there. Um, as well as a lot of the other people who write for Renegade. So if you are fans of anybody that writes for Renegade, you'll probably see them there. All right, we are going to move on to our main topic. All right. Um, so I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves first and kind of get into how you got to this point um, with your freelancing, how you got into it, what interests you, and either what you think your strengths are or even like your weaknesses in it, stuff like that. Um, I'm going to have uh, Carrie go first and then Dave, and then I'll go and jump in last. All righty. Um, how I got here. I'm not sure, to be completely honest. Um, I started writing uh, just short bits, and people told me I was funny, which I'm not really sure if I agree with them or not. But so 
I was encouraged to write bits, just, you know, uh, story bits of whatever, flash fiction, whatever. And I ended up here because people are like, these should be published. I'm like, okay, but I don't know how to do that. And they're like, oh, you know, if, you, know you can do freelance and just, you know, you know, either self-publish uh, a, a book or whatever, or, 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 you know, submit it to a magazine or whatever. And I, there's no real uh, handbook for doing that. Oh, now you want to be a freelancer, chapter one. Uh, so I have no idea. So I have, I wouldn't say I have a wealth of stories that I'm sitting on, but I have a bunch of stuff that I don't know what to do with. So I don't know how to get from like step one to step three, what happens at step two. So. And, and that's the very legitimate feeling um, because there are a lot of different avenues into getting into freelancing and getting into publishing. And we're going to kind of talk about those a little bit later. So that is a very legitimate feeling that you're having. Okay, good. Because then it's like, okay, well, I could do short stories that, you know, because short stories or, you know, flash fiction or whatever seems to be, you know, that the freelancing, you're putting it toward a, a collective communal publication. Or do I need to like sit down and hammer it to something bigger and then just self-publish someplace else? It seems like that's almost like two different arenas but they kind of have somewhat the same beginning steps. Yes. So. All right. Um, and then Dave. Yeah. Um, um, so I kind of fell into freelancing, I suppose, is the best way to do it. Talk about, say, how I got into it. Um, a couple of years ago, Chris from Darker Days Radio reached out to me um, because we used to work together many moons ago in Games Workshop Manchester. And he reached out to me to start the Dark Hammer series that we have on Darker Days Radio. And from that, there was a few ideas that Chris had um, for some scenarios within the, the Warhammer RPGs. And, and we co-wrote one of those. Um, I have conveniently forgotten the name of it, despite it probably being the, the, the most popular thing that we've written. Um, the Warhammer fantasy uh, scenario with the Headless Horseman in it. Um, it's, been tr it's been translated into different languages and things. It's, it's quite a popular little scenario. And that was the first thing that I ever did. And I just kind of fell into it because Chris has his own, it has the experience of, having done a lot of community content with the Storytellers Vault and things. And then we wrote this thing together and pitched it to Cubicle 7, who owned the Warhammer RPG um, rights. And they said yes. And so it got published, which I kind of sat there and went, holy fuck. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I was never experienced, ever expecting this to happen. I was one of those forever GMs who has all the stories who, that I want to tell. Um, never even thought about writing them or publishing them because I didn't really know anything about that at the time. Then being brought into Dark Days Radio, getting to do that with Chris. And then from there, I am now published with all three of the Warhammer RPG systems. So Fantasy, uh, Soulbound, which is the Age of Sigmar game, and Wrath and Glory, the 40k game. I have scenarios within all three of those. I have worked with Crystal um, through Darker Days Radio and yep. Red Eye Games. Is it Red Eye Games? 
third eye games third eye games yeah there we go um with the pip system and then i've got a few things as well now through community content some through darker days radio and some through my own own kind of volition and the side project that i have going um, under the drunken storyteller and so that's kind of it kind of i just fell into it and from there i went oh oh, I've got all these stories and all these ideas and I can put them down and I, there are ways that I can kind of tell the stories without actually having to find a, a, a group to tell them with. So I can go down and, and, and write all these stories. Um, which is, it's been, an, it's been an amazing journey and from all this over the last couple of years, I've had two really good bits of news that I probably can't really actually talk about on this Don't episode. Don't talk about it just yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. But I've had two good bits of news um, that relate to, to kind of freelancing. So it's a slow, it can it like from my initial burst of writing for Warhammer and Cubicle 7 and, and things to slowing down and doing um, community content. So there's this initial burst of amazing stuff dropping down to community content and now possibly bigger things. But watch this space on those is all i'll say <laughs> all right so my story is kind of similar to dave's um in that i did kind of fall into it so i'd been doing workshops on using games and uh comic books in the classroom i'm an educator by day and a friend of mine who um has been who had been writing in the RPG space for quite some time by that point was like, Hey, I, I want you to write for this. I want you to write, make write reviews, write, you know, interviews and stuff like that. He wanted to get me writing. And I kind of balked at that idea. I'm like, I'm not a writer. I don't do that type of stuff. You know, like it, I'm, I haven't been trained in it. I'm, I write in run on sentences. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, I, or stream of consciousness, I wrote in that for a while. Let me tell you, that is hard to edit. Um, I stopped doing that. <laughs> um, but he finally, um, sat me down and he's like, Hey, I need a scenario for this open source game, which was first fable. And it's going to be a Halloween scenario. And I need you to have it done by, what was it? September 25th or something like that. And, and you have to save a month. And I was like, what? No pressure. And, no pressure. And he's like, yep, it's going to be record or it's going to be uh, published. Um, I have an artist already set up. I also have an editor and a layout person. And yet you're going to have a physical book. And I was like, what? And so, uh, yeah, that's I kind of got shotgunned into uh, freelancing. <laughs> um, and and now, mind Welcome you, I did the get world. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I, I do get paid for that still. It is by, is by sales on drive through RPG. Um, however, I do donate all of my sales to the Trevor project because of whom the individual that owns first fable, um, there's a controversy around them. Um, and I don't want to take down the scenario because it has brought a bunch of families into role playing. Um, but I donate my portion to, um, yeah, to the Trevor project. So. Um, yeah, so it, it kind of started from there. And then, um, the layout person for the book ended up being Aloy LaSanta, who is the owner of Third Eye Games. 
and he approached me like a year later and he was like, hey, I have an opportunity coming up. Um, I remember you writing from uh, the first Fable game and I really loved it. I think you'll be perfect for this, especially since you are an educator, you work with young kids um, and you have that perspective. I want you to work on this project. And it ended up being the PIP system core book. And uh, I ended up writing it and uh, I wrote a quite a significant chunk. I didn't realize how much I'd actually written for it until later when uh, reviews started coming out of it and they kept bringing up like the portions that I wrote. And I was like, oh, I wrote that. Oh, I wrote that too. Oh, I wrote that too. Um, and so it was really cool to hear. And then it ended up winning an Any in 2018. And I was completely shocked um, because that had been, at that point, that was only my second project. And so wow. for it to, for it to win an award, um, as it being my second project was really amazing. Um, and during the Ennies, yeah, but he deserves that award. It's an amazing system and an amazing book. Oh. I think it needs a bit more recognition to what it actually shows. Oh, thank you. Um, I am, I'm very proud of it. And I, Aloy is also very proud of it. Um, the two of us worked together very closely on a lot of stuff for it and we want to make sure it keeps going um but during the ennies um aloy had asked me to go up with him because i had been promoting the book talking about it um running scenarios with it and stuff like that at conventions and he was like you have been working so hard at this book i want you to go up and speak with me and i was like oh okay cool and we get up there and then he starts speaking because he's the owner and he's the the person that wrote it it's his baby it's his idea and he looks at me and he goes and i want to introduce you to the lead developer for the pip system and i was like wait what <laughs> and, <laughs> <Dun, so, dun, laughs> and so he shotgunned me imposter right into, syndrome <laughs> right yeah um not that i wouldn't have said no or anything like that had he asked me beforehand but it was just really funny because that's the kind of the relationship that Aloy and I have is that we kind of like, oh yeah, let's just do this. And then like, we go from there to like amp it up into like a thousand and go from there. So, <laughs> um, but that kind of springboarded me into doing a whole bunch of other projects. Um, and my uh, mentality around it, uh, which is if I have the means, um, I say yes. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up being published so much. So, nice. um, so yeah, so that's how I got into freelancing. Uh, <laughs> so I just haven't fallen into the right you, hole you yet. Is that what's impressive... happening? <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. And David, yeah, I do. I, I, I did not realize how much, how many names and titles are attached to my name, um, until I searched myself on drive through. And I went, oh, there's yeah, like two you pages You have an here. impressive backlog <laughs> in there. It's like, it's not just the number that you've got. It's it's the size of those projects that you've managed to get yourself attached to. Things like Chicago by night and stuff like that. It's just. Oh, yeah. It's It's been an, an amazing journey. And I am, I am extremely grateful. And I realize the privilege that I have of having a lot of big name stuff attached to my name, which is why I wanted to start this because 
stuff happened on a project. I'm not going to talk about it too much into, into detail on this po podcast, but I will be talking about it. I could talk about it in other spaces, and I probably will mention it a couple times. Something happened, and people were questioning what was going on. And so I spent a lot of time kind of bringing people up to speed as to what a freelancer actually does and the way that it goes about. And so that's where I got the, the idea. I had this idea brewing for quite some time. I'd had a conversation with um, um, Charles Erbach, who is a amazing artist. Um, let me make sure I'm getting his name right. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, it's Charles Erbach. Um, he is uh, an absolutely amazing artist. I had a conversation with him at GameholeCon last year about how we've been running into more and more people who are baby freelancers or freelancers who want to get in or freelancers who are struggling with certain things and then nobody to talk to them. And reaching out on social media gets them nothing because it's a lot of times it's a lot of white noise surrounding them that it's so hard to get through. So I wanted to make something where people could go to look for specific things and that's what I came up with with this. Um, so I th we're gonna I think what you've what you've done oh, with on. this and now now knowing kind of the future layout of where this is going, obviously through DDR and stuff. Um, this is a, a going to be a great resource for not just the people stepping into freelancing and kind of knowing how to start and things, but for people like me as well who are a few years in, but kind of then at that point it's like how do we push it further how do we go beyond just this community content stuff and how do we get these connections that maybe we don't understand how to fully get and just kind of giving those hints and tr and tricks about the trade and um there's not much out there for for those free for freelancers um and if you're trying to put mm -hmm. your name out there and say i'm a freelancer and then and doing this this and this and then you kind of see all these other stories that hit the news about certain things uh, and you're just like, do I want to be involved with that? And it's like, yes, you really do, because you don't want to be involved in that side. You want to be involved in the indie side where there's so much amazing stuff going out there. And I think this is going to be a really good way for people to learn beyond the D&D, uh, &D, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about some of the different challenges that each of us, because we are all in different phases of where, where we are for freelancing, right? Um, oh, yeah. So, so I want to talk about some of the challenges and um, that you are either over in the process of overcoming or you've faced and overcame and how you overcame those and what resources you use specifically, because I think that putting more and more resources out there is going to definitely help others. So... Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, um, tear this because I want, um, Carrie to speak first because her challenges I feel are going to be very different than, than Dave's challenges and my challenges and stuff like that. So, so Carrie, why don't you start? Start, start, um, challenges that I'm facing getting what I have done so far out there, right? Um, First of all, is not knowing where to go. I mean, I, I've looked at, you know, Storyteller's Vault and whatnot uh, and some other places uh, for things that aren't game related. Uh, and it 
almost seems like here come here and there's like a big sign but behind the sign there's this this featureless wasteland like a, not that there's nothing there but i can't decipher what i'm seeing uh so it so it's, you're like standing in line and you've got your manuscript in your hand and you've got a couple people saying yeah i'll i'll, I'll take it but you don't know how to put it into their hands into the appropriate format you don't have the means necessarily to edit it to layout to graphics to do all that other support system i guess i don't know if that's the right term to use um to make it uh acceptable to the, the ones that who will be in charge of of publishing it you know because nobody wants a manuscript that has you know run-on sentences and terrible spelling and you know you're losing your voice halfway through uh you know shifting perspectives uh, so it's like, I don't know where to go. The hardest part, I suppose, is actually getting something done. But then, so you get something done and you're looking at these different avenues of publishing. And it's now, again, it's like another step. Who do I talk to? And like, and how do I get the support staff? And, you know, it's, I, there's nobody to reach out to, you know, both the, the two of you were talking about how, you know, somebody reached out to me and said, you know, I'd like you to work on this, or I want you to work with me on this. Uh, somebody starting out doesn't have that network to, to call on me like, hey, can you, can you look at this and make sure I've got my formatting laid out? Can you, you know, can you tweak this on, you know, whatever graphic program that you have so I can get some, a good picture for this. It's, there's, there's, if you don't have the network, how do you navigate up into the point of actually putting it into somebody's hands finished or mostly finished? Because I'm sure that once you give it over to them, they're still going to make some corrections. But I think that's the biggest one I'm looking at right now. Okay. Um, so a couple of things is that uh, some of those answers are going to be coming later on in the show. Um, I've kind of switched stuff around in the show notes just to give you guys a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I do feel like, um, uh, that, um, first off, I will say like you, you said that layout is a big thing. If you are submitting stuff, usually layout is not going to be the thing that they're looking at. Um, and that's cause they know that writers aren't necessarily layout people and et cetera, et cetera. Like I am, I am not a layout person. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier to the, uh, last yesterday, weren't we, Crystal? Like layout sucks. Oh, was it oh yesterday or today? <laughs> well, I suppose it, it also depends yesterday. on what you're, I suppose it also depends on what you're submitting. Like I'm sure cause you know, submitting, you know, any sort of like short or a game mechanic or whatever is different than like doing a novella or a novel or. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 very much. If, if you're I, looking at kind of, self-publication and, and and doing going through like the community content stuff layout you have to do yourself if you've yep. been commissioned by a company then all you have to do is is, is send them a, a word document or a google doc thing in the style that they want it and then they do all that wonderful wonderful black magic in the back scenes where they fit right, pictures the... and things around stuff yeah yeah i am i am very much the meme of the microsoft word where you you know, add in a picture and then all of a sudden everything shifts and sirens are going off in the background. <laughs> that is me for layout. I laid oh out God, it's, several... It's... <laughs> I, I, I've laid out several of my community content things and, and please don't, like, they are awful. Like, they are laid out so poorly because I am not a layout person and I understand that that is not my strength. <laughs> It, um, it, so yeah, it's not just you though. Word is renowned for this. 
uh, yeah. being a scientist as well, I, I, I use another, we, we write a lot in something called latex, which is meant to have specific code written into it where you can kind of define where pictures go. And it's meant to be like hard coded into it. And it still doesn't work. He's like, put this picture right here. And you state everything <laughs> that says it should go right here. And it's like four pages later and you're like, what? So yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's across, across systems. I, I will say that one of the biggest things that I do is I'm a very, very much a visual thing. If I want to, if I have to write something, I have to visually be able to see it. And, um, I, I know this drives layout people crazy. I use tables a lot, um, especially for mechanics, just to even, even just to like separate out visually stuff. And then I will put it into, cause, cause a lot of places will have what's called a style guide. And the style guide is what you need to use to submit your work. A lot of times the style guide will have the different fonts that you need to use, the sizes, the indentation, whether you are using M dashes or regular dashes, um, are you using the actual bullet point mechanics or are you, or are you actually physically putting a point there? Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of places will have all of those specified in there and you have to use that style guide. Um, and the style guide will kind of give you that layout a lot yeah, I, of times. I think before we go deep into that, I think we can kind of talk about style guides kind of deeper later in another yeah, section. Yeah, yeah, because I've written because they're, one they're, for they're, Pip they're, system, they're a so. beast within themselves style guides. Oh yeah. All right, so um, so some of the challenges that I have currently is that um, I am trying to overcome my own brain and that is so hard um i uh, especially with like starting with 2020 my brain has just been all over the place and that i i just watched um, the movie everything everywhere all at once and my brain feels like that sometimes where i i it's hard for me to narrow it down to one specific thing to focus on and so like that's been the challenge that I have right now um, because it's it's challenging to be working on projects and not being able to focus on them. And I, I know a lot of people do struggle with that. I never had this much of an issue <laughs> uh, since uh, except for in the past couple of years. So I, I can fully relate to that. Um... I have so many projects on the go at the moment that I want to work on, but I can't sit down and settle on any of them. Like my brain is like, oh, this will be cool for this one. And then yep. half an hour later, like, oh, cool for this one. And then it's like, I think all even this setting up this recording years, <laughs> was hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like over the last two years, we've, we've all had this kind of, we, we had obviously, the world went into a shitstorm with COVID um, and people started working from home and getting weirdly having more free time and distractions at home. So brains were allowed to explore a little bit more without the watchful gaze of business over us, I suppose. Yeah, so like, yeah, that's why I started so many projects and I've got like <laughs> half finished community content stuff going out there, half finished pictures that I want to throw at people out there and it's just like I get an idea start something and then get distracted and it's like oh the new shiny turns up 
So it can I think we're all also in like survival way. mode at a certain level. So like you, you can't sit on any one thing because you're, yeah, you're in survival mode. I think for the last couple yeah. of years, which kind of short circuits the brain. Like you can't, you don't want to lose yourself Very because much. you know some sort of animal. Like gotta pay attention, gotta pay attention. Yeah, I, I had a uh, something that was meant to go up on the community content like Storyteller Vault. I was hoping to have it up like end of 2019. Um, it's still sat there waiting for layout and a final edit now. Um, and I, I fully blame the last two years of the world. You got this. <laughs> you got this. I read through <laughs> it. You've got this. Yeah, it's just also knowing what Chronicles of Darkness layout is like. And I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Um, David, you want to talk about your note that's in there? I, I just put that in there because I just completely remembered it. Um, but it's, oh. it's, it does kind of relate to challenges as well, in a way. So I don't know how many how many people who have listened to Darker Days Radio know this or know much about my history before Darker Days Radio, other than that I worked at Games Workshop. Um, I lived in Japan for seven years, um, teaching English because that's what you do when you're out there. But I luckily, weirdly, again, fell into the music industry in Japan um, through teaching English. And I fell into uh, the, the visual K kind of music and actually fell into one of the production companies connected to X Japan, who are effectively Japan's biggest rock, rock group out there. They are, if you know anything about Japanese music, you know X Japan. Um, and I fell into fell into them, and I did some kind of like translation of lyrics and some web-based stuff, uh, web-based English translations of Japanese stuff. And then the company that I was working with wanted to produce a book about Hide, who was their guitarist, who. Without going into the history, there was there was, uh, he passed away um, with possible suicide, um, but he's he's massively massively sought, um, famous within Japan, and is a massive influence musical influence across Japanese rock and heavy metal music. And I was asked to translate some of the book that they were producing and write a full English introduction to this book, and I'm like. I've never done anything like this before. I've never <laughs> done anything. And I'm suddenly being asked to write a what's going to be a very, very well-published book. And so that suddenly throws up new challenges. Uh, this, this was a very, very long time ago, before I even was kind of into RPGs. It's when you suddenly get this, I suppose, acceptance or pitch from outside where someone comes into you and goes, I want you to work on this. And then you're yep. suddenly like, oh, shit. Really? That you, you, you want me to do this thing that is going to be really quite big? And so it's, I know it's another topic that is going to come up later in the series, and it's kind of that imposter syndrome that yep. kicks in. And when you get to a certain point within 
the the freelancing stuff and you get you've got enough titles behind you that companies then kind of either companies or other writers come to you and go can you write for us you're like you have that kind of mental shock that i'm not worthy how do i then make myself feel worthy and obviously that is something that we are going to cover in a in a couple of episodes time um on that one because it also then relates to my science and stuff but when when i got this offer from this 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 music label in japan who like a very big label uh going can you write the introduction to this book for us i'm like yes maybe <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> I can try. <laughs> I'll try. And um, the problem was, and this is another challenge that as a freelancer, you'll come across if you are doing, especially more of the community content stuff, is editing. Um, I was the only English speaker. Yep. And I have <laughs> dyslexia. And so you're oh, asking no. me to write an introduction that I have to edit myself for a book and i can't oh, yeah. spell or do grammar what <laughs> oh this is a good leeway into the next section <laughs> yes it very much is and that's kind of why i, I, I kind of put that in there so, so let's um, say as, as a quick yeah. thing let's say dyslexia does not stop you from doing this i'm a perfect nope. example i'm published in like actual published within multiple systems and I have there, quite strong dyslexia, so there are don't many worry about it. freelance writers that have dyslexia and dyscalculia. There are ways for you to get your brain to work with everything, and there are actually supports that I'm going to talk about um, that are built into some free programs um, because I use these a lot with my students um, with special education needs and with other sort of reading challenges and stuff like that. So we're going to get into those. So our next segue, yay. Thank you, Dave. Uh, is what, you know, I get things right every now and then. Is, is what programs or, or stuff that you need to get started. So first off is that um, when the gaming industry started, everything was written by hand or typed on a typewriter. And um, in order to be published, it had to have I remember those days. Oh I my gosh. Dark days. The so, time. And, yeah, and it's one of the it's actually one of the reasons why companies like Paizo and Watsi are actually in person like they um, they are two companies um, that are not remote and they started off not remote because shipping manuscripts across the country, trying to keep them from getting leaked is extremely hard. Wow, yeah, I didn't and, even think about that. And so, so they they started to uh, and TSR was one of those too. If you um, the newest TSR history book, by the way, is absolutely amazing. It's written by one of my friends, um, and I'm in the middle of it. If check it out, and you'll see why some game designers are in person, like they have they are in groups um, or at an actual physical location because of the shipping costs and trying to edit a manuscript when you're trying to cross state lines with it and stuff like that. 
is, is the back and forth is, it was really, really challenging. And so it started that way. But now that we have things like computers and laptops that are rampant um, within our society, at least within our country and other more technological co countries, um, we have advantages first, that First others... world countries. Yes. I, I hesitate to use first world, but yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, the first thing is, is that there's word processors. And the free one is Google Docs. And that's actually the one that I use the most. And that's because it auto-saves for you. Um, yes. I am horrible with it, saving. Google Docs is, is because it, one, it auto-saves. And it's just so easy to share. Yep. So yes. It is super easy to share and collaborate. Um, it, it apparently is not so much so fun for layout people with certain programs. And I understand that. Um, no, it's but really you, not. you can, you can copy and paste into word, which is what I, what I do with certain specific companies, um, who request that we use word. I'll copy and paste it because if you just download it as a Google doc into a word, it, it won't format format the right way that you need it to for a lot of those documents, just copy and paste it, format it into that that way, or write it in chunks and copy and paste the small chunks whatever you need to do. But um, Microsoft Word is getting better. I will say it is be getting better, especially since they now have that cloud um, uh, that you can write in. Um, so like the Doc X. Yeah, it's uh, like it's OneDrive. World is coming up. Yeah, the OneDrive stuff. But yeah. kind of on, on that same idea, that again, we'll kind of come up to this later. You'll find that a lot of companies will throw their style guides at you in Word. Yep, because it allows that layout, um, yep. and it is you can so much easier to do that layout. Yeah. Yep, you can erase the, or you can, you know, make a new template based off of it. Yep. Um, and then the other one is Scribus. So Scribus is a a program that a lot of people who write for film scripts or comic books will use, um, because it is highly formatted. I do know that I think Magnus Archives uses Scribus or use Scribus too. Uh, Rusty Quill. Um, I'm fairly certain they use Scribus too for their their podcast episodes for the um, the writing of it. Um, and what it does is it allows for a much easier time to move things around within your document. So like a chunk of writing will actually be its own like post-it note, <laughs> is how I pre like picture it and you can move that post-it note around a lot easier within that document versus google docs or word huh. um and it allows for easier formatting and stuff like that it is a paid program it is i think reasonably priced however again um i i do not work a minimum wage job um so please take that with a grain of salt um, because I do feel like there are other programs that you can save up money for later that are more worth your time than Scribus. Um, but if that is something that helps you or helps your brain, definitely go for it. I've never heard of Scribus before, um, so I might check it out because it sounds kind of cool. It does have but like also, a free, yeah, you... I think it's like a free week or a free month of use. Um, so you can actually try it out for free for, for a certain number, for a certain period of time. Um, so yeah. 
but yeah, I, I, I think I know like one of the free, uh, well, cheaper or freer programs we're going to talk about in a second that is probably a lot more useful. Yep. Um, <laughs> but Scribus is, is something I've never heard before, but if there's something out there that, if, especially if you're doing something like Magnus Archives or you're doing more kind of like the live play, actual play, and you want to script stuff, it, it sounds like something that would be quite useful to to do if you want to kind of then make that into a narrative and, and do more with, with that kind of scenario writing, I suppose. Yep. And then, okay, so moving on is going to be grammar. So every every writer needs an editor, honest and truly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need about seven. I And... And it's, it's not because, like, I, I will, like, I teach kids who struggle with writing. And I always say that even, like, some of the best writers are actually teach the me. worst writers. <laughs> and um, I've had students who have come up with better stories than I have ever, and I have ever will be able to dream of. Um, and so it, it, it doesn't matter just how skilled you are in writing if you have a good editor and you have a good editing program, both of those will help support you. There are two that I recommend. The first one is Grammarly. There is a, there's the free version. I think this is the one that you were talking about, Dave, right? Yes. Yes, it is. It, it has been phenomenal for me. I ended up buying the, the, the actual program and honest and truly it is worth the money um, for me personally, I, I am it, this close to buying the actual because I now actually have a job and can afford to do things. <laughs> I am very close yay. to buying it because of aforementioned dyslexia. Yeah, um, and one of the biggest things that it does check for is um, whether it's passive, passive voice. Passive voice. Yep. Yes, I have problems with what that. What I will say. Everybody with has the problems free version with that. of Grammarly. So, what I'll say with the free version of Grammarly is, is it is, it's a web-based. Um, it, it's mostly web-based. So, if you're working through Google Docs or the web-based Word documents and, and even emails, it'll, 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 it just applies instantly to all of the things that you will write on 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 a browser. Um, the but paid the free document we are seeing. You go oh, ahead. Sorry. sorry. The, the, the paid version of Grammarly will allow you to open up in an actual program for Word. So, yeah, like, so it'll, it'll, do it it'll port everything to Word. Yep. Yeah. Um, what I found is that with because Grammarly has now come out and it's free, that you've got this free thing that's out there, I've discovered that Word, the, the online Word and the online Google Docs, have roughly the same uh, um, checks on them as yep. well. So if you are working with Google Docs, have Grammarly installed because then they'll both work together and they'll pick more up mm -hmm. than just one of them by themselves. Um, but they are relatively similar. Um, what Google Docs and Words don't do is is that wonderful passive voice thing that I suck at. So I, I have Grammarly <laughs> for that very reason. The, the, other, the other thing is actually a free website. Um, so if Grammarly is not your thing, um, you can go to the Hemingway Project, 
The Hemingway project will only have a certain number of word count that you can put in there, so you have to copy and paste. But what it does is it checks for passive voice, it checks for clarity, and it checks for grammar and spelling as well. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, it's what I used before I got Grammarly. Um, I, used, <laughs> I used it for several pretty big projects. Um, one of them was over 18,000 words that I wrote, and I went and copied and pasted the entire thing in Hemingway. Wow. <laughs> that, it, it was, that wow. was one of the reasons why I went and bought Grammarly. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yep. There are also there you can Google like if there's something that you're specifically worried about within your within your thing and you don't want to pay for it, you can you can Google like passive voice checker and there'll be little things where you can kind of throw a sentence in and check for passive voice, but it won't do the whole documents like these two will do, like Grammarly, Hemingway and Google Docs and Word and things. So there are ways around it that take time, but if you're looking at doing this kind of thing as a, a more long-term, useful way, like Grammarly, paying for Grammarly is definitely, it, it's, again, like you were saying with Scribus, it's affordable, um, I feel, for someone who has a, a full-time job. For someone obviously on minimum wage, it's probably a little bit of an extravagance. But what it works at at Grammarly, on on this base free level, I think it's it's good enough for what it really does. Absolutely. And then um, one of the things that I use when I'm um, getting a, a team together for a writing project, and I know Dave, I've told you this to death, but if you are writing a scenario for for a specific um, program. What you want to do with that is to um, uh, look at every sentence as if it's a story hook. And that can actually help clear up a lot of the passive voice. So, yes. Um, yes. And so, so taking a look at it that way, it doesn't work quite so well for fiction. If you're writing any sort of fiction, it doesn't quite work that way because passive voice will end up being in fiction in some aspects and some parts of it. But for scenarios and for um, writing for world building and stuff like that, thinking about every single sentence as a story hook is going to help kind of get you past that passive voice fairly organically. You, you may not even have to think too much on it. Yeah, I... I that's kind of how I because one of the things when I first started within within the community content side of things was I was throwing in that passive voice when you're doing commission work and you're working for companies quite regularly you don't see those final edits until they come out and you don't see the changes and things especially if you're working for big companies where they have a lot of editors and a lot of background stuff that's going on you you give them your, your your scenario and then suddenly it's published and you're like okay where did that come from um, <laughs> what are steps two like two right in the middle you got one and you got three what happens in the middle yeah um we i suppose we, we can talk that's about that further I, yeah in, in probably the next <laughs> in the next bit or, or or later on about that weirdness that happens when you're working for a company but I had a train of thought and I've completely lost it now. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, oh, um, man. 
Oh, I derailed you. Yeah, so passive, passive voice is what we're talking about. Yeah, so if you're looking at community content and stuff, you don't have someone who is going to check these things for you unless you, you have a group like I do with Darker Days Radio and Crystal and Chris and, and Mike and Chig and everyone within there and my own stuff with uh, the Drunken Storyteller where I have another group of people who can check things with me and we can bounce things around and understand that kind of stuff. Passive voice is something that we... I actually kind of want to emphasize this um, because it is a thing within English. When we speak, we use it quite a lot because it's it's how we interact. But when you write, it's different. You have to describe things and you can't use that passive voice in a descriptive, non... In an interesting descriptive way. Yeah, it, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, yeah, you've got to be a little bit more clinical. And so, Crystal, you said something that I've, again, completely forgotten that what you said. But when you said it, it made me think of also think about it as, a, as, you're, as if you're trying to explain something to somebody. So like, like with me when I'm doing my science and trying to explain the results that I've got, I'm going to be a lot more short and concise with what I'm saying. So if you're world building, be short, concise, explain the world as it is rather than going putting ing's and all sorts of weird stuff like that be be more concise yeah. within that that writing and don't don't think about how you would talk to someone about it think about how it should be written and there's also the and then there were zombies check like if you can add and then there were zombies to the end of a sentence and it makes sense it's passive voice I've never um, heard that. That's awesome. You always need zombies. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never heard that. And then, oh, then there was yeah. zombies. I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta write that down. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, also, if you can add, a sen if you can add, and then there were zombies on the end of everything, it also makes it a million times cooler, but wrong. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, say like everything's better with a flamethrower. That's that's the idea. Yes. All right. So. Um, and I'm going to have a specific um, uh, episode dedicated to resumes, CVs, and um, writing samples and what they are. But I'm going to go over really quick like how to build your resume up because writing resume is, is not a traditional resume. Um, and in fact, having it like I have never, I, I only submitted a resume once. And it was because I had only one thing published to my name and Aloy had asked for one. And so <laughs> I gave him my resume, um, tweaked it for writing specifically um, and like why I would be a good writer and stuff like that. But since then, I have found that having a list of your published content as well as writing samples um, go a lot further than having like an actual traditional resume. Um, and again, we're going to go over what those actually are in a different episode. Um, but things to do to kind of build your resume up, I'm going to put self-publish on there, but not for the things that Carrie is, is specifically asking for, because she's asking for larger projects. I am talking about things like lasers and feelings. 
where it is a one-page RPG with all of the rules on that page as well as your character sheet. And you do I things... Love this game. <laughs> I know, it's great. Um, and, and, what, and, and so doing things like that, and it's free. Um, the person that created it has it free, and it's an open... It's an OGL, essentially, where you can actually take the basis for Lasers and Feelings and put whatever skin you want over it, as long as it doesn't violate any sort of copyright or trademarks. Um, <laughs> so um, it's, it's there is... It's basically like community content. There's a, yep. uh, it's a Creative Commons license, so you, you can go off and take the, the, the concept and apply it to your own world. Yep. So you can take things like ideas that you have rolling around in your head, spin it for just a one-page RPG, and put it out there. Um, and you can actually publish that on DriveThru. What's it called? Laser? It's called Lasers and Feelings. It's based off of some fairly well-known star series that I know that, you know you totally aren't a fan of or anything like that. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, and then I know that Dave and I touched on community content a little bit. Um, and there is the, is there really a demand for it? Um, and I will say it depends. Um, because Yes, there is. I do know people who do community content exclusively for their income. Um, and, and that is because community content isn't just a one payout thing. Freelancers normally will only get one payout for their word count, and that's it. Um, or two pay, payouts split up between their word count and stuff like that. Um, but community content is anytime someone purchases a product, you get a percentage of it. Um, that is how Darker Days Radio does it, and we have a decent amount of downloads for our products. Um, and so, uh, was there any specific questions that you had about that, Carrie? Um, not specifically. Again, I'm so new, it's like I don't know what I don't know yet. Um, yeah. I guess the idea is that I, you know, I've gone on to Storyteller's Vault and I know that they've got the, the Creative Commons and whatnot, um, but it seems, I don't, I don't know if that's me or not, it seems like it's hard to search. Like, you know, if you're looking for something, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place, but um, when I'd go searching for it, I'd find uh, the company publications, not uh, the the. I don't want to call it the fan stuff, but I suppose maybe that's community, like the the non-publisher. Oh, okay. So it's like so I don't so to me when I go in there, it doesn't look like there's a lot one or two that there's a big demand for it because again there's not a lot. Um, but maybe it's I just don't know what I'm searching for because when I go in there and I look for you know character sheets or you know uh, source books or um, uh, fiction whatever, I seem to be finding only company like I'll, I'll find onyx path i'll find white wolf i'll find you know uh those but i don't see bob or like yeah. i don't know what the yeah I don't, I don't i don't see any like standalone artists who might only have like two to their name or anything like that so got it so 
I am, uh, I'm going to search real quickly here, um, okay. because I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saying things correctly. However, I do believe when you search for community content, it's going to show up. Yeah. Because, um, so, so here is the trick with that. Okay. Community okay. content is always going to show underneath the publisher. And that ah, is because okay. that is who technically owns that setting or that the, IP, the, the yes. world. Yeah, the IP. Yeah. And gotcha. you have to look. Yep. So you will have to look at the front. So within Storytellers Vault specifically, or like with um, DMs Guild, there is a logo that will be on the front cover and that is required to be on the front cover of all community content. So... Pip Worlds has one that has to be on the cover. Storytellers Vault has Storytellers Vault like right on the cover, because um, I just I just looked up the Darker Days Radio products and all of them are under White Wolf for the publisher, but they all say Storytellers Vault either the new logo or the old logo when it was published because there's an older logo, um, is right on the front cover. So you have to look for that that sticker there because of how the licensing agreement works with with that for community content oh, i hope okay. that clears so this, it up this, this, it does because yeah. you know i like they're talking about there's supposed to be all this like community content stuff and i go in there i'm like i don't and did i miss the file did i did i don't have the secret password i got the i need the hand the handshake but okay that I makes a little bit more sense now that it goes under the ip it, yeah the issue is i find that when I kind of, I branched, so with Dark Days Radio, we obviously deal with a lot of World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness stuff, so we're instantly in that Storyteller's Vault world. Uh. I have recently got very, very involved in a lot of the Free League games, and they have their own community content, but it's not well advertised on um, websites or drive through RPG. So on drive through RPG, I've got the page up at the moment. On the, the left-hand side, you've got a list of like the major um, community content. So DMs Guild, Storytellers Vault, Wargame Vault, Pathfinder Infinite. But if you're looking for other systems, if you don't know what their community content is, you're not going to find it. So despite the fact that Free League are rapidly becoming a major, major force in the RPG world, not many people know that there's this free league workshop out there which is the free right. league community content so unless you actually know that these things exist it can be quite hard to find them yep. which makes then though the community content that is produced very very focused within a small group of people so i have i have a couple of things in the free league workshop and, and for the game Verson. um but we, we there's a few sales on them but it's nothing like we get with the storytellers vault stuff that we do because storytellers vault is well known dark days radio is well known gotcha. um, free uh free league workshop is not that big despite the fact that free league is now huge so it's, yeah. it's kind of knowing that these things are out there and knowing how to find them um, so if, you, if, if, there's a, if there's a world or a game that you want to write for, look up the system that you're looking at and then like say, say maybe as an example, it's Chronicles of Darkness. Chronicles of Darkness, community content, and it will throw you out the Storyteller's Vault. 
look for the name yep. of the game that you're looking for with community content and then it'll throw you at if there is a way to publish that way um not all mm -hmm. systems unfortunately have community content unfortunately so i'm working on yeah, that there are other ways around that so so then it's just a matter of like so yeah okay I'm, I'm looking at the page now i'm like oh yeah there's like this little tiny thing that i just if i'd clicked on the cover i would have seen it but i didn't click on the cover so gotcha like yeah, oh look there's yeah, all this little that, stuff that i missed thing. you have to really really look really right i'm like oh yep. okay so it was right there underneath my nose <laughs> so all right so a couple other ones would, would be to oh go ahead dave No, I just hit mute oh. wrongly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so a couple other things that you could do would be to write reviews, interviews, or articles for a website. Um, you can even start your own, or you can guest publish. Um, I know that there are um, websites such as uh, uh, Flames Rising and... Um, others that are looking for guest publishers for everything. Um, with your reviews, I will give you a, a huge, huge tip. And it is that if you do not like a product, that is okay. However, I urge you to stick to the specific things in the, the game and what you might have liked to see. So always offer an option of what you might have wanted to see instead of that. Um, avoid- Constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. Um, it, it could also be considered academic criticism because uh, you have to stick to what is published, not your feelings. Um, and, and so, uh, if you are looking to be published by a company, let's say, and you do not like the latest thing that they are, are put out, don't write a review saying that you could have done it better. Don't write a review <laughs> bashing things like I, and I, and I mean like going extreme, right? <laughs> like it's obviously you are allowed to have I, I your can opinion. Think of a, I, I can think of a few names popping up in my head right uh, now, but we'll not get weird. into that. Um, <laughs> um, if, if you want, if you want some ideas on like how how not to write reviews, look at some of the things that are considered woke, or or you know in the quote unquote woke, um, and and just look at those reviews. Like if you ever want to be published by 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 that company, don't don't do that, um, because we appreciate constructive criticism we appreciate ideas and we appreciate ha like seeing things from other perspectives we do not like i don't know anybody that likes to just sit and get railed on i i don't and so or or do what i do like if you don't like something and it is really really bad just don't write a review on it um, I have done that for just ignore once. it if you don't like it don't yeah. interact with it you can always yeah. just say no like yep. if it's not um, there was something we I, I can't remember what we were having conversation in Darker Days Radio the discord a while ago and it's like 
not every game is written for every person. So I think it was about Thirsty Star Lesbians, the games actually. That I love. Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. It's like we were both like me and you, Crystal, we, we were saying this is an amazing game. The way it's written, it's, it's really cool and it's really open and it's really accepting and diverse yep. and things like that. And there were some of the reviews out there were just like, no, we just don't get it. We don't understand yep. it. It's like not every game is designed to please every person, even if it's designed for a community that you identify with. It may not be written for you personally. So don't get offended by games that don't fit within your worldview because then they're, they're not written for you. Yeah. We can, we see this quite regularly, especially within the world of darkness and Chronicles of Darkness games as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We'll not get into that, but Yeah. All right. Get um <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> I, I, I uh, went down the rabbit hole there. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll continue. Let's go into podcasts. Let's go into podcasts. Yes. Podcasts. So um, another thing that you can do is start your own podcast. Um, y y there is some startup cost to it. Like you have to have a mic and stuff like that. Um, but there are ways for you to be able to do low to no cost podcasts out there that you can just sit and talk or interview um, or uh, build up an audience that way. Um, start getting into some creepy things. I'm fairly certain this is how like Magnus Archives started was they just started to put stuff out there and then uh, it turned into a huge thing. Um, I keep using Magnus Archives but that's because they're they're going into publishing and stuff like that now too and so and I'm a huge fan of theirs so. Give it a um, Yeah. Um, collaborations. Um, so um, doing a collaborative work. Um, so one of the things with community content is, is that if you go on some of their discords, cause I know that the drive through RPG discord has people looking for community content writers working for what's called commission base. And this is going to come up in my don't work for free thing. Cause I always say that, um, but working for commission is huge for community content. And that is specifically because a lot of times it is not done by publishers it is done by independent people who may or may not have the money to do it. <laughs> right. Um, and so, um, the specific channel name for the discord, um, that you can get that information on. Cause I get pinged all the time is the drive through discord. And I can actually, I can see about getting a link post, posted because I know that the Discord links are, um, have an expiration date. But I can see about getting an uh, a eternal link for our show notes as well so that you guys can get in there. Um, but you guys can collaborate and do a percentage of sales for some of those collaborations for community content. And it is a great way to get your name out there. Excellent. So, and... Um going back to the idea that I don't know what I don't know, just the fact that they yeah. have a discord looking for people. Those are, I guess, sort of the kind of like the resources that baby freelancers would have no idea to go looking yep. for because like, you know, there's no chapter one, go here. Um, and I understand you, know, you can't spoon feed everybody on how to do this, but just knowing where to go to get that edge on. Yeah. That's just to get the that, other... their fingers in the door. Absolutely. And the other one, the other one would be to go to, specific publishers discords as well what you can oh, okay. do is reach out there 
um, a lot of times they will post, hey, we are looking for writers, we are looking for submissions. Um, I know that um, a couple of, of publishers have already done that um, in, their, in, in their discords and various discords and stuff like that. So if you are interested in any of that, I would specifically go there too. Um, and those are places to, Discord is, has slowly become more and more of a, of a community building place. Um, and if you are not familiar with Discord, that might be something that I en end up putting on a new podcast um, for this series too, because I do believe that Discord, um, while it has its issues, it's getting a lot better. Um, and it is, if it is a curated or moderated community, it is a very, very good community to be part of. Yes. One thing I will say about Discord, Discord is amazing, love it. Um, you can end up being part of millions of Discords and just get lost within them. Um, so Discord is a really, really good way to, if, if you are looking to kind of meet people within the community and kind of get involved within certain communities, so there's multiple ones out there for OPP, World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness, Free League, and all the independent all the independent um, companies have their own discords and things. Um, so it's a really good way to get involved within the communities and learn what people like. It's just the be aware that these are international chat, effectively chat rooms. I suppose is the best way to kind yep. of if you don't know what they are, they're chat rooms. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have a lot of free time, you can get very lost very quickly within Discord. Do I have not learned. Be afraid. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The mute button. <laughs> the mute button and and mute notifications. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ignore. Yeah. Mute everything in Discord. Um, don't be afraid about that though. Don't be afraid that if you, if there's something if there's a really good idea that you've got that you want to kind of go with and say, for example, um, for me, what I did with when I discovered that Soulbound, Age of Sigma, Soulbound was coming out, having already worked with Cubicle 7, I sent them a pitch. And I knew that there was already discords and things out there. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I, I can't cope with social media and things like that. I, I, it's not my forte. So I just reached out beyond that saying, here's my pitch. Would you be okay in this? So don't, don't worry about the fact that you see these millions of people constantly talking about these games in Discord. Discord is brilliant to promote things and, and, and kind of promote yourself if you want to do, go that route. But it's also not a route that you have to go down. You can still become yep. successful without going down that route. Unfortunately, it is becoming the, the way that a lot of communities and a lot of companies now reach out to people. So you do need to pay attention to, to it if you are looking to become a lot more successful and a lot more prolific within a certain group but if you've got a cool idea you can skip that and kind of go straight to the company and just just reach out and just go for it yeah um but discord is brilliant also a pain in the ass <laughs> 
All right, and then um, Creative Commons license. This has been coming up more and more. Um, specifically, um, the biggest one that I've seen was with SCP, um, the SCP Foundation, uh, which um, is also a really, really awesome community. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you haven't were interested... Just, haven't they just like put something out as well recently like i'm just seeing an art... adverts on on facebook yeah they have an art book about... out yeah yeah and so um the creative commons license what you want to do is you want to look it up and it's similar to a um open gaming license or ogl and so what you want to do is you want to make sure that you read it through all the way to adhere to those licensing rules um, uh, is Morkborg a CCL? I'm not sure what Morkborg Merkborg. Uh, I thought it was lies. OGL. It might be OGL. Um, okay. But it's just what it was. It was one of those things that I remember. A lot of things they stake when when they get released, like uh, Merkborg and another game that I know is coming out. I don't. I'm not, actually, I'm not going to say that because I'm not sure if they've actually officially stated it. Um, <laughs> um, they, yeah. they say that they come out on a, under a Creative Commons license. Um, and that's different than an OGL. Which basically means yep. you can... Yeah, an OGL. So, uh, again, like, uh, what was the game we were talking about here, the Lasers and Feelings? Yep. That's a quotation mark Creative Commons license. And as you were saying, read it because there are many different types of Creative Commons license licenses. Yeah. What these are basically is that you can take this idea and self-publish it through things like Kickstarter um, to create you can't your own do through Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah, and so there's there's a lot of it, it, it's you it's it's an open license to do things with limitations so Merkborg, so there's some creative the... commons oh sorry go ahead no no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say so uh so depending on the the system or the genre or whatever the world that some would let you i mean publish in kickstarter that's so that way you can get it printed hard copy and not just like creative commons where you can only publish pdf on storytellers vault is that the difference so... i mean yes so Storytellers Vault is not Creative Commons. Yep. So oh, there's Creative so Commons creative on Commons Storytellers Vault. Allows you to own the rights to it. Yeah, Creative Commons is something very different um, in that you can create multiple different types of media. So, for instance, you can create like art books or podcasts or stories or videos because um, like SCP has like a video series on YouTube, um, and they also have like TikToks and stuff like that where and the people that create those own those ideas and those videos and stuff like that through the creative commons license however storytellers wealth is a little bit different because you are publishing it's more similar to an ogl like what um d uh fifth ed has um and so uh you there are a lot more laws that you have to adhere to and things like that um, and you can't kickstart stuff for community content um that is not allowed through the community content. It's allowed through OGL. So mm. like you can kickstart something mm. for Dungeons and Dragons. You can kickstart something for SCP, which is a Creative Commons license. Um, but you cannot, you cannot kickstart something for like Storytellers Vault or DMs Guild. 
you have to publish through uh, mediums that allow you to do Kickstarter or any other crowdfunding source. Huh. Yeah. Huh, okay. So one, one of the ways that, so the, the one that I know about um, and kind of how, because I've, I've had ideas and I've kind of wanted to go down certain routes with it is Merkborg, which is a Swedish, it's an OSR, so old school role play, based in like, like this doom, black metal, weird ass world and it's brilliant. And there's been a load of Kickstarters that have come out. So we've got Cyborg, which is a taking the Merkborg world and, and running it through a cyberpunk world. And basically all they've done is taken the rule system from Merkborg and applied it to a futuristic world. So Creative Commons allows you to literally use the same rule system and just change the world. Whereas if you're going into something like um, Storytellers Vault, Free League, Workshop, DMs Guild, you have to work within very, very specific guidelines. Creative huh. Commons allows you to push those boundaries. Um, so if, if you have a system that you really, really like, and one of the things, one, one word that I know has just come up and one system that I know has just come up is the system that is used in Numenera that I can't remember the name of. Um, uh, I can't remember oh, what it is. No. Um, but it's just it's just come up as a Creative Commons license. So if you like the world of Numenera and you like the system that it works with, you can then create your own worlds and systems from that. Gotcha. Cypher um, system. It's a cypher system. Cypher system, that's the one, yeah. So there's, there's now a Creative Commons license, or it's, at least it's coming up. I don't know whether it's out or whether it's coming up soon. The cypher system has a Creative Commons license on it. So if you like that world and that system, you can then build upon that within your own work. It's, it, the yeah. Creative Commons is something that is used quite regularly within science because it allows us then to kind of say someone's idea is we've got this, there's this idea that we think is cool. Can we build upon that or can we test other ideas within that? Um, and that's how we know that there's certain levels within it. It's, there's this really cool idea can we test it in other ways? Okay, so um, moving on, I think I'm going to do, I'm going to add the different licenses onto a different podcast too, because um, I feel like we could go deep dive into all of those. All the different variations there are. All the different, oh, yeah. God, yeah, and there's a lot. That, that, that's three hours of conversation right there. Yup. My goodness. All right. We don't Submission want to bore guidelines. people straight away in the first episode. <laughs> That's episode five. So let's say that there is a company that um, accepts submissions year round. So I know that Onyx Path does, and they have very specific submission guidelines. Um, and others, others will put out calls for submissions. Others, you have to kind of contact someone first. Um, and others, I'm still trying to figure out, Watsi, um, how to <laughs> submit um, for working with them. Um, so some of the things that you can expect for submission guidelines. So first off, when you look at a submission um, that you're looking to submit, check out to see first if they have a style guide. If they have a style guide, you need to apply it to your writing that you are putting in there. And that is because they are looking for people who can follow style guidelines. If they don't have a style guideline, that's fine. 
Um, what I usually do is I like to try to lay out things as best as I can within Google Doc that, so it looks somewhat similar to what the published thing is already. So I will purchase or um, look up in my archives because I have a ton of PDFs of different games um, uh, that um, I can look at, look at the style and kind of write things out the way that it's kind of stylized so that I can be clear and concise within what I am doing. Um, if they have a word count, and I know this is something, Carrie, that you were talking about earlier with word count expectations. So if a company says that you can have, um, and I'm going to use Onyx Path as an example. Onyx Path does have everything on their website, by the way, you can look it up, please do so. Um, but they ask you for 500 words of mechanics and 500 words of setting or story. And what they are looking for with that is for you to be very precise with your word count. If you can get to exactly 500 words for each of those, that is a bonus. Do not go over. <laughs> um, do, do not go over. And what they are looking for is for you to take the, the things that they give you and make something that is dynamic. And I'm going to say dynamic because it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. What it does have to show is that you are able to follow directions, that you are willing to challenge yourself, and that you um, are able to um, take direction. In other words, if, if, for instance, you do get, happen to get feedback on something and you submit again, take the feedback that they give you, apply it to your writing, and submit from there. Companies are going to have very, very different expectations across the board. One company may want you to like do exactly 500 words. One company may want you to do 2,000 words submission. That's a huge submission, by the way. Like it's a lot to read through. <laughs> um, but basically, they're looking for you to have to, or looking for you to come up with something brand new or something in a setting it's vague for a reason <laughs> and and that is because that is because they don't want someone that cannot be creative with what they are given in so much as like it like if you ask for a very specific box okay for a writer to write in you're not going to get a lot of differentiation when it comes to ideas within that box. Right. Um, and so um, they are looking for you to be able to take these and condense it, condense your ideas down to a very small word count, your mechanics down to a very small word count. Cause 500 words for mechanics, it, you go through that real quick, like a lot quicker than you realize. With yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot. It does. Five hundred words is is. I will I will tell a story once once we've gone beyond this about five hundred word word counts and and kind of why guidelines are vague once you've completed. But yeah, five hundred words is not much. Nope. And so what they're looking for you to do is to be very clear and concise with your ideas. 
have an idea that um, is either interesting, new, or challenges expectations. Mechanics should be clear. They don't necessarily have to be perfect, um, but they definitely should show some sort of cohesive thought behind them and possibly even giving reasoning. So um, if you've ever looked at like D&D spell mechanics, they are very narrative in their storytelling when it comes to casting that. So if you can tell a story within your mechanics built in, um, that's all the better. Gotcha. It's role playing. So, it's all about storytelling. That's what you need, yep. isn't it? That's how yes. I work with it. And yeah, so, so, so um, that's kind of why they're so vague. So, all right, Dave, yeah. go ahead. So 500 word word limits. These are a special beast. So um, Age of Sigmar Soulbound, the RPG. If you buy the GM screen, it comes with a booklet of a load of um, scenarios within it. These are all 500 word scenarios. And what we got was basically uh, me and Chris are both within this. We have both published within this. We are we are authors of two scenarios each within within this GM screen scenario thing. Um, what we got told when we did this was 500 word scenarios and we were given a city or and yeah we were given a yes i think it was we were given a city within the setting of age of sigmar and told to write a scenario nothing more than that and if anybody knows anything about warhammer age of sigmar well there's a lot of shit happening in that world. <laughs> and if you just say, here's a city, tell us a story. Well, there's over 50 different factions within the game, like the tabletop miniature games of Age of Sigmar. There's, I, I'm going to say 50. I may be wrong. It may be less than that. But there's a lot of factions within the game itself. And yes, you may be given... Uh, Hammerhall, which is like the biggest storm, uh, Stormcast Eternal City and is the most holy city within the realm of humanity and things within the Age of Sigmar. But within there, every other faction is acting within that. So when I looked at this and I, I got given the city that I was working within, I went, how can I work within that city and tell a story that is different to what everything else that Games Workshop have ever put out about this city. Can I expand upon the lore that they've already created and also create something new? So you need to, one, when you're putting these pictures forward and understanding the guidelines, that they're saying, one, you need to know the world that they're working with. If, if, if you want to put a pitch forward for a game, you obviously need to know the, the, the world that they're working for. But then you also need to know how you can mess with that world within right, how far the confines of that world. How far can you push it? And um, I, I pushed it to a point where I didn't think... Um, well, bo both, both 
Soulbound and the the Wrath and Glory games that I did, I pushed it to a point where I, I didn't think they would say yes to certain things. Well, I knew Cubicle 7 would be okay with it, but Games Workshop had to sign off, and I was like, oh, I'm saying things here that they, <laughs> they might not like. Um, but it came back, and, and we'll talk about this later. Most <laughs> of what I said was okay. Um, but a lot of the wording changed. Um, and there's, I, I, I've just added something to the notes later down about expecting things to change. So I, I, I've got some really good, I, I, I got my ideas out there. They actually happened not in the way that I originally wanted them to, but then you, all, you have to have that kind of given, given throw. So the guidelines are vague because they want you to build these wonderful, amazing stories, but also for you to understand, for, for them to know that you understand the world that you're working within. Because if I'm going to go into... Um, let's say Wrath and Glory, and suddenly like Abaddon suddenly comes out and just starts destroying worlds, and that's my that's my uh, scenario for Wrath and Glory. Abaddon comes out and he's like smashing worlds up, and you have to go and kill Abaddon the Destroyer. It's like, well, he's a major character within the world. Why, why, why are you destroying that? You have to make understand understanding the world. I think is kind of what I'm trying to get at here. Yep. All right. Um, so does that kind of help, Carrie, with your um, a little bit? Kind of. I have it, and I have no idea why this eludes me as badly as it does. Um, with in regards of like where to go and how to go about it. Uh, yeah. Um, I had another thought there, and I immediately just lost it. Uh, put a so, pin in that. We'll come back. <laughs> we've got an episode about that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know where to find me. Well, if you're looking for where to find submission guidelines, you can always um, look at company websites. Um, a lot of times, companies will also have stuff on DriveThruRPG um, as far as how to submit stuff. Um, uh, they might have something on there um, or a document or anything like that. Um, you can reach out to the company. Like, you can, a lot of times, they'll have, like, say, hey, don't email be afraid the company. To ask. Yep, just Do ask. Do not ever be afraid to ask. Like, if you it, know somebody who's also written for them, so yep. if, you, if you are looking to write for Chronicles of Darkness or something, you've got... Email Crystal. Crystal will tell you what to do. <laughs> um, she's written for everything. She, she understands the, the entirety of the world of RPGs. Email Crystal. Um, no. Sorry, Crystal. <laughs> your, email, your, your email box is now going to be full. I apologize. Right. I'm going to be spamming her every day. <laughs> she, like, Crystal. You have, Crystal you have is my cell like phone, so you can just text overlord. me. That's right. I could, I could just text you. But, you know, you don't, you don't want... You don't want to exhaust somebody and then be like to dread like, oh, God, she's she's writing me again. I just I, I can't deal with her. Oh, God. Could, does she talk about anything else? That's just. Dumb. No, that's fine. No, Crystal doesn't. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you let's say you've gone through all of this. You've submitted. You've built up a resume or you're writing and stuff like that. And now you have your actual first assignment. So what does that look like? Well, so I'm going to be using some titles here. I'm going to be using developer primarily. Developer could also be considered the project lead or the creative director. Um, so it really depends on the company. 
um, that you work with and where their background is. So I use developer when I'm talking about like PIP system or anything that I'm working with um, and anybody that I'm working for. So the developer is the person that oversees the entirety of the project. They are the large view person. They are the one that's managing the project. They are the ones that usually have the outline or wrote the outline and have an idea for what they want to see in that project. And they are usually the one that hires on a writing team. Okay. Once you get with that writing team, Sometimes you'll meet, sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll meet on a Google Meet or whatever. Sometimes it's just you and the developer. Um, so one of the things that I always say, and I got to get better at doing this, is you can ask once you get past the hiring point, who is going to be working on the project with you? And this is for a safety reason. And I feel like more companies need to be a little bit more transparent with this in ways that they are able to do so. Um, so if there are people that you are uncomfortable working with in the industry or who um, you may have may have worked in the past, I mean, even if this isn't your first writing, your writing, ask who's going to be on the project because you once you get hired onto that, you you still can say, no, this, you know, I don't feel comfortable with specific people. You can name them if you want. You don't have to. Um, so yeah, so ask who's on the project. And then the developer, what they do is they give you the portion of what you're gonna write. Now here is the weird thing about this. A lot of times you are gonna be asked to write things that are gonna be broken up throughout the book. For instance, when I wrote for Chicago by Night, I was told, write the kindred history for Chicago by Night. So I wrote it. And That's I- a lot. I, Oh, yes, it is. That's like, that's, I can see how that's one section, but also then scattered throughout the entire book. If that's you, a massive ask. If you, if you look at it, but so here's the thing. I'm actually really glad that they did it that way because I wrote the Kindred section and um, another individual wrote the Chicago mortal section, like the actual history of Chicago. And that helped to give two different perspectives to the events that were going on and what events were important to kindred history and what import, what events were important to mortal history. And remind me to ask you about vampire, the requiem and something that I'm doing with that, okay. which kind of relates <laughs> to this idea <laughs> that I really so, need to kind of get on with. If you, if you look at the final product, both of those histories are masked throughout the book. So I wrote this whole one big document, but in layout, it got broken up. And I'm really glad they did it that way because if they told me that I was writing a history for this section, a history for this section, I would have been so overwhelmed with information and trying to connect with other writers and trying to figure out what worked best for it. Instead, I just wrote what came naturally to me when it came to sticking out for kindred history and the research that I had done with it, I have read all of the Chicago by Night Chronicles as well as most of the <laughs> Beckett's Jihad Diary at this point. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so uh, 
uh, if you would have been like, okay, you're going to need to write a history thing for this subplot here. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I have to try to deep dive into what would fit best. Instead, I just wrote what came naturally and it actually ended up working so well within the whole context of the book. Kind of cool. So, yeah, it was a real, it was, that's, is a, oh, go ahead. that's a really nice way that the the company approached you to do the work um where they gave you that kind of free reign to do these things um i wish i'd at some point had that experience with some other things um and had a little bit more guidance so it's 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 occasionally nice to have that wonderful go the, the developer go here do this thing here, here here's your here's your remit develop everything and then we'll we'll, we'll yep. work with it unfortunately it doesn't always work like that um and there are certain yeah. companies out there who will just go no we want you to do it this way this way this way this way and give you and basically write it before you've even written it for you um yeah they just want you to fill in the blanks i've not experienced that um but just just be aware that I think me and Crystal, we we've been very lucky in the way that we've oh, we've kind of come across it. Um, but then there are certain companies and certain things that have come to light recently, where maybe they'll ask you to do something and then just ignore everything that you do and do it whatever that do what promotes them over yep. what promotes you. Yeah, but that's a um, conversation for another time. Yeah, that is another conversation. Um, so yeah, so, so a lot of times you won't actually have like a whole chunk or, or chapter. Sometimes you will. It all depends on the project and how they're going to be, what's the vision for that project. Because, um, Matthew Dawkins had a vision for Chicago by Night already, and he was able to map out how he wanted the writers to approach everything. And he did it in such a systematic way that... You know, to be honest, if you would have asked me at the beginning and and I would have been able to not under NDA tell you, you know, hey, I'm writing the Chicago history chapter. And I would have thought that I was doing the entire chapter and it was actually broken up. Um, I actually I prefer it the way that it is um, published because it is gorgeous and it flows so well um, that it's not dry like other history chapters are. Um, NDAs oh, are beautiful yeah, they because are. <laughs> they allow you to do what you want to do and then not talk about it because then you don't know what the final product is going to be. It's like, I'm really excited yep. about what I'm doing. And then when it comes out, it's like, actually, that's better than what I was doing because the people yep. who are producing it know what the fuck they're doing. Yep. Um, and especially like if you're working with someone like Matthew Dawkins, obviously, well, look at his history. He is, yeah. well... Yeah, if 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 he asks you to do something, you know he's got a plan to to make it cool. So just sometimes you have to just go with the flow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another thing um, with this is that word count, and I want to stress this a lot because a lot of people don't realize exactly what word count is. Word count is exactly how many words you have to type on a subject. And you were given a specific word count. Some companies are a little more lenient than others. I've had it where um, that, that there's a very strict word count because they know exactly how many words is, are on a page and they have planned out pages 
specifically for layout with specific art that they have that you have to meet those word counts um, or it's the, the layout's not going to work. And so you have to be very, very careful with that stuff. And if you are going over word count or you are significantly under word count, you need to reach out to your developer and have that conversation of, hey, where can I fill this in? Or, hey, I am over and I know I'm over. Can you help me either pare this down or can you go through in development and tell me what's going on, you know? Um, so those are conversations that you definitely have to have. Um, I, I would stress to a lot of the new people who suddenly get given, not obviously with the community content, because word, word count within community content, content uh, is, is a amorphous thing but if you are suddenly hired by if you are hired by a developer and to, to write this thing and they give you a word count really have that conversation with the person who is hiring you and talking to you about what that word count means yep and about how they want you to approach that word count i have been on projects where i have been massively under those counts and they've said yeah if you just expand these points and, and and go through these points and you can expand it yep and those have been brilliant things and then i've been in projects where i've hit the word count and they're like yeah this is cool no worries about it um we can fit around this thing and they're, they're really happy with the big problems that i've always had is when i've hit the word count and they've gone can you restructure the story that you've written and do it this way within this this specific structure because we've changed our structure and you do that and then it adds in an extra couple of thousand words and you're like yeah. okay cool cool right i can do this but i know it's going to add in words so where do you want to want me to cut this stuff and through personal experience, I've gone through this and I've asked, where do you want me to cut this stuff? And I've had no response from it. Always fight back. Always get that feedback. Always try and fight for that feedback. Because if you don't get that feedback, you're never going to get better as a writer. Mm -hmm. And within, within anything that you do, if, if no one's going to give you feedback as to why you're not doing what you're meant to be doing, then you're never going to get better. So yep. if someone says, well, we're not going to hire you because the last project you did was 6,000 words over limit. But, well, I've got emails to tell you that I asked you, how can I fix this? And you didn't respond. Then make sure you have a good communication. So word count is not just you knowing that there's a word limit. It's you knowing from the from the company what they mean by that limit and how to yep. kind of react to that limit. Yeah, and um, again, making sure that you talk with your developer about all of this stuff. If something is not clicking with you or not making sense, definitely reach out because they'll be able to help you. Uh, they may be able to help you come up with a, a tighter outline 
um, for your section that's going to help kind of guide you as far as what you need to do. 100%. Um, yeah. Be, be, make sure there is communication. Always yep. communication is key. Um, a couple of other things. I know, Carrie, you had talked about things like characters and plots and in the story. Can you go through your your question for that? Um, I'm trying to remember what it was that I had in my mind when I did it. Um, so when you're writing uh, for you know a game system, or whatever, uh, how like how tight do you have to like? Uh, canon, I think is what I'm thinking of. You know, they have these yeah, established, you know, the words. Yeah, uh, established characters, whatever. Yeah, you can't go in and kill their, the Emperor Undying uh, because that's <laughs> integral to the world, right? So, I mean, how, when you've got this great do idea. It. Do it, do yeah, it. Right? <laughs> right, when you've got this great idea and you've found, like, you've, you know, you've, like, consumed every bit of media that they have on this world and you have found the perfect plot loophole to kill the emperor on dying and you go and do that it, but it just kind of undermines everything that the, the universe is is all about are they going to let you get away with that i mean i mean <laughs> like can you do it i suppose i mean i suppose maybe they will let you get away with it because somebody's going to buy it and read it and be like this is awesome but does i mean can you invalidate a world because you got this great idea okay so I, I love this question because everybody wants to do it, right? Everybody right. wants to try and take down the emperor on dying because fuck that guy. Um, right? <laughs> you know, jerk. everybody everybody wants to screw around with Menelaus because fuck that guy. Uh, right. you, you <laughs> um, and, and so here's the thing that that I, I have with that and some of the suggestions that I have is that first of all, um, my experience with that was terrifying, but that's because I loved all the characters, the NPCs that I was writing for. Um, it was Chicago by night um, because I had interacted with them as a character when I was LARPing and tabletop role playing. I've interacted with all those characters. So I love those characters. And so fucking around with those characters was kind of like, you know, it's personal. Yeah, it is personal <laughs> for, for some of them. And so the way that I see it is, is that it's, um, and the way that I got around that mentality is that it's not just me. It is us. And if I do something that breaks the world, it better be for a reason. And if that reason is not in your book or is not the point of your book, that's probably not the time to do it. Right. Yes, you could you can you can totally try to figure out a loophole to to, you know, kill the the emperor on dying. Um, but what I would suggest doing is then pitching something and we're going to get into that in another thing too, but pitching an idea on how to kill the emperor on dying and <laughs> do they really want to head that way? You know, like I, and I can tell you the answer is no, but <laughs> Right. I mean, it's I mean, like, cause, so, you know, they, they have this tires thing. And if you just take out like the, the central key element to it, maybe it'd be a fun side plot for everybody. But like the company at large is going to be like, that's cute. Don't, don't. I, and, <laughs> and, that, don't. and I think that's where fan fiction comes in, right? Like, I, I would think so. I, love, I mean, that's, I love fan fiction. That's kind of why I like community content. Uh <laughs> I was going to say this, this is very much a difference between 
community content and uh, pitching an idea to a company who actually runs the fucking world. Yeah. So, like, yep. you talk about the Emperor and dying as, like, my instant was like, can we fuck with the meta of Warhammer 40k and actually kill the God Emperor of Mankind? Like, <laughs> no, Games Workshop are never going to fucking allow you to kill the no. God Emperor of Mankind. <laughs> but in your own universe, if you're doing community content, which Games Workshop don't allow you to do, unfortunately, yes, you can fucking kill the God Emperor of Mankind and let chaos reign throughout the universe. Fucking go can... for it. Fuck with the meta. I'm all about <laughs> fucking with the meta. All However... Right. If you're uh, publishing yeah. shit, yeah. don't fuck with it. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, I I assume that like if if you were if you were writing a story about you know killing the god emperor, that you would definitely be doing that like community continent and not pitching it to the boss and being yeah. like, oh, you wanted me to write 500 words. Here's 500 words of where I I killed the emperor and dying. There you go. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah, think the key here is understanding that level of how you can fuck with the meta so right. a lot of the yep. worlds that people work with so world of darkness warhammer and uh i want to say dnd dnd is technically world free but there is now a a world within that can you really oh, fuck yeah, with that meta yeah. with the pictures can will, will they so, accept you saying that's God probably a situational awareness thing like yeah. you, you, yeah, you gotta so go in it realizing yeah so yeah, you so need yeah, to know we the were well to know what you can do with it. We were we were told that um, for for Chicago by Night, we were told um, here is a list of the NPCs that we are going to be using. Here are list of, here, and anyone not on this list, if you want to use them, you have to ask. Um, and then we made a list of who's all died and not coming back, and who's died and <laughs> maybe they haven't died. And um, nobody dies we in were, Chicago. <laughs> No, Sorry. Can we don't. do with that with London again, please? <laughs> um, Nobody stays dead. And so, so they they what it's they vampire. did was they no one's technically dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but what they did was they said you have free reign to kind of screw around with these characters, and if something goes off the rails with your writing, i.e., you know, you kill Loden again, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Again, um, again. just just. <laughs> Just reach out to us and have us look it over first. Chances are, yeah, chances are you're fine. Like, because World of Darkness is screwed up. And um, the whole point of, like, Beckett's Jihad Diary is to mess with that whole perception of there's a linear timeline and everything is the same. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, so, So, yeah, like... So it really depends on the company and how tightly their IEP is controlled and how yep. much of a reign or how comfortable um, people are within writing within that system. It, gotcha. it, it's yeah, it's it, all it's, dependent. It's, yep. It, it's depending on how much you know about that world that you're, you're trying to write about and how much yep. the company is willing to let you have fun with it. And, and There's yeah, a wonderful like... thing that is written within, I, because this is the world that I know and I, I know how to kind of work within it. Within the Warhammer worlds, we have this idea of everything is canon, but not everything is true. Yep. And understanding how to relate those two ideas together. 
And you can see the same thing within that World of Darkness idea, is like everything oh, yeah. is canon, but not everything is actually historically true. So Beckett obviously has his own stories, but every <laughs> different faction has their own way of telling that story. Yep. And that's kind of the idea that you have to then apply to things like what what faction are you looking at? Are you looking at the Anarchs, the the Sabat? Are you looking at the the White Tower and Camarilla and how they're applying their ways to it, the Giovanni and stuff like that? How do they view this story that is going on? And what story do you want to tell from that point of view? And then is that canon or is it just their way of viewing things? Is it their personal and bias? And as long as you can get a... Yeah. And as long as you can kind of get away with the idea of going, this is just their view. It's not what actually happened, but this is their view of what happened and it yep. fits within the story. Then it's that's that's a way to kind of throw those really fucking weird, weird story hooks into there. But it's just kind of you have to know, unfortunately, and it's not something we've really talked about. And I've only only through this entire conversation that we have to kind of get beyond just that community thing is is showing a knowledge of that world and knowing how to kind of work within that world successfully is is a good thing so but yeah um can we fuck with a meta yes excellent can you fuck with a meta and and get it published when you're killing the god emperor <laughs> maybe not <laughs> unless they really like it's, it's really it's amazing those, maybe it's then. knowing those lines <laughs> please All kill right. the god emperor of mankind <laughs> I'll work on it I'll see what I can do okay so quick overview of most of the processes of how things work and some of these are going to be different for different companies I've had a different mix of the, the different steps within the the, um, the way out there um, so, um, first of all, um, outlines, you're going to get an outline. Every writing assignment should have some sort of an outline that you can follow. Um, and, uh, make sure that if you have any questions at that point, you clarify, um, if it is your first time writing, make sure that you, um, make sure that you talk to your developer and, let them know, hey, I'm going to have a lot of questions. Please make sure you're ready for that. Um, I always did that. I still do that with new projects and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to have a lot of questions. They're going to come up as I'm writing just to let you know. Um, first drafts. First drafts are usually really, really ugly. Um, and uh, they are, are never as good as you want them to be. And they always tend to leave things out by accident. Um, and that is because uh, you're trying to get through things and work your way through everything. Um, and there's a whole lot of stuff coming at you with the project. Um, once you hand your first draft in, it's going to take a little bit, but the developer will go through and do what's called red lines. Um, and that's specifically the term that I use. Some of them use developer notes. Some of them use other types of terms. Um, but basically what it is, is that it's feedback and this could be really, really hard to take. Um, even for me, it's still really hard to do red lines. Um, and I, I, I give them to people. <laughs> so, 
Um, I always, I always give myself a day to, I, I look through the red lines. I give myself a day to kind of process and internalize everything and kind of be like, okay, I am one of however many voices are on this project and the red lines help me stay within the goal. Um, so I need to look at it that way. And then that usually helps me to kind of focus up and to take care of whatever notes that I have. Um, and uh, address anything that the developer has. Um, everyone has their own process for going through red lines. I go through grammar first and then I go through all of the other stuff later. Um, and that's just how I do it. Um, red lines. And then, yeah, red lines. Red, red lines <laughs> are one of those things that um, when, if, if you've done like community content stuff, you've never experienced them before. Yeah. And, and when you suddenly get this, and it's it's not something that I've had much experience with before. Um, I've worked with you, Crystal, with the PIP system a few times, and I've done the Warhammer stuff, and I've never really had any really big red lines thrown at me. And so I, I'm very... It's going back to that very beginning where we had that challenges question. Yep. I am very worried that when I, when or if I end up in a, a position where I have all these massive red lines and knowing my own personal things that will that will come up in a future episode that we that you're planning. Yeah. That red lines will be a thing. Um, yep. But it's understanding, and it's again something that I think is I'm, I've, I've stated in something slightly later is understanding that what you've written is probably you've tried to fit it close to what the company want but is not what the company want if, if, yep. if it's a like a, a, a pitch or something um, so I think I'll talk about that slightly more in that final section but yeah so yeah. Um, Red lines are a. They're brutal, sometimes. I think they are. Um, from from a, from my science perspective, I don't. We don't call them red lines. It's lots like edits and and referees and and stuff. And when the referees come back, yeah. Referees can go, do one a lot of the time, because <laughs> they're not. They 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 can be particularly unpleasant at times, and it's just, it's not a comment about you. One nope. of the things I think about red lines is it's not a comment about you. It's a comment about how it fits within the world yep. that they're trying to create. And as long as you can separate those ideas, I think red lines, you, you can kind of get around. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, um, like, I've gotten feedback from red lines everywhere from this is about as perfect of a first draft as you can get to oh my God, what the fuck happened? And <laughs> like everything in between. So, um, it, you know, like you, you really have- Giving me nightmares to... <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you really have to look at red lines as, as the developer is trying to get everybody on the same page now that everyone has their ideas out. The, the biggest hurdle is that first draft, honestly, because once 
because once it goes into red lines, it's in the developer's hands. And then once you get it back, it technically moves into second drafts. Second drafts are usually where you just go through and you tweak stuff or rewrite sections to fit the voice of what the, the developer is looking for. And that is okay. That is totally fine. You can't, like not everybody can be perfect exactly the way that, that, that the developer wants every single time when you have 15 other voices on that project. It's just not possible. Like, you I don't know any. Like, <laughs> like, what you've worked on, like Chicago by night, how many writers were on Chicago by night? There are a lot. Getting e yeah, getting each of those to have a similar style of writing, a similar voice, a similar way of portraying the, the world, that's really fucking hard to do. Yep. Everyone has their own writing style. Everyone has their own way of wanting portray to portray a world. And then you've suddenly got 15, 20 people all working on a single project with their own individual ideas. Yeah. That's when you get these red lines of like, yeah, it's a really cool idea, but can you write it like this? Because yep. everybody needs to, as you say, uh, multiple voices are, are cohesive in, in the notes. So everyone needs to yep. be part of that that project and and showing a cohesive storyline and cohesive world and things so <laughs> cohesiveness i think is is the key yeah. to red lines so once second drafts are done usually that's when a writer is paid and um we're going to go into pay and everything like that but i will say even we if get you paid? are new <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell i me mean <laughs> even if you are new do not accept anything less than four cents a word if you're getting paid per word. Um, and then if you are getting paid per For chunk, those like of I you know, in the UK, that's about three pence a word. Yeah, sorry about that. I forget that there are other countries it's too. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Um, yeah. Do not accept less than point like three or four like cents or whatever it is in the currency that you earn in yeah um and, and always, i'm talking like that's minimum more. always aim for more yep that's minimum and that's for like companies or projects that you really really want to be on and you are okay with that um uh do not work for free and i'll get into that later um and then deadlines the so Deadlines are really, really important and um, a huge stressor for me particularly. I am one of those people that I work up until the deadline usually um, because that's just how my brain is and it's a jerk sometimes. Um, but I'm trying to get better at it. But if you are going to be over or you are going to be late with your deadline, reach out to your developer. A lot of times there is some wiggle room because they are working with other writers and so they have some time to give you. Um, but you have to have that communication. If you break down communication and you stop talking or you just go drop off the planet, um, a, a lot of times a developer is just going to take that as you're just dropping off the project. So that and that can be very hard for people, um, especially if you have anxiety or any sort of um, social anxiety or anything like that. 
Um, that can be a very, very hard thing to do. So try to find supports or ways for you to communicate with your developer to, uh, so that they understand that you're not dropping off a project, you're just kind of falling a little behind or whatever the case may be. Gotcha. 100% support support that. Um, yep. Always have an open line of communication. And if the communication is only going one way, question why, question the company. Um, yep. Actually, yeah, there cut, are usually... Cut that bit out. Cut, no, cut, cut that bit out. Um, my brain was going places and I yeah. failed. To, I can do that. I yeah, could totally that do that. Out. Yeah, I had okay. thoughts and my brain couldn't, couldn't <laughs> communicate them. Glitch. Um, Glitch. We'll move on to yeah. pen names. Glitch in the matrix. Yeah. So we'll move on to pen names. So in this day and age, a lot of people are writing with pen names. Um, and that is because of safety with their jobs. Um, I am very open with my, um, with my district that I write games. And I write games that are not friendly for kids. I write games that are friendly for kids. Um, and that um, uh, I've never had an issue with. However, I do not work what, in... What, vampires not friendly for kids? <laughs> <laughs> That's stuff that I wrote. <laughs> um, um, He's so... all cuddly and fun. Don't worry about it. Kids can love it. Um, so pen names are, are a legitimate thing. If you are worried about publishing under your name, um, talk um and use a pen name um and i will say i will say this as i am a, a very much a supporter of the lgbtq um community um dead Thank names you. and stuff like that please do not feel like you have to dead name yourself in order to publish or if you have changed your name in the currently and you have published under a dead name in the past reach out to that company and see if they can change that for you um obviously there are going to be published books that that can't be changed on however in future materials and publications that is a thing that they can change um in drive-through it is it's pretty quick uh, pdfs may take a little bit longer because those are an editing thing they have to pull the pdf edit through the pdf and everything like that um but Please, but what drive-through can do is when you, when you see when you go to drive-through and you have a list of authors, is that link to the author's names? They can change yep. that very, very yes, easily, they can. very, very quickly. If you yep. need to reach out them. to their customer service, reach out to them. They are fantastic. They are one of the nicest customer services groups out there, and very, very accepting, and will just do it for you. Love them. Yes so much support for that so please do not feel like you have to dead name yourself in order to be published please do not feel like you have to um publish under your name and put yourself out there um when all you want to do is just write and have fun um that's totally fine that's not that, that is a personal choice um and uh please know that <laughs> um it uh, uh, i'm gonna say this as like a the rpg big sister if anyone comes at you for dead naming or or you know or for with you at your with your dead name and that you're used they're using your dead name, uh, come come talk to me. I will, I will have words with them. Um, 
I, because I, like, <laughs> I, w I will go. I, I will put myself out there now. It's like I've not done this, for, and I don't. I don't. I put it out there, but I don't think I've openly put it out there. It's like I, I'm non-binary. Um, I sound very male and present very male, but I'm non-binary. Um, if anyone comes after you, I will fight them. I will literally go up and fight them for you because I, I present as a very, very large, strong male. Um, but I ain't. But I also am. So um, if, yes. if someone has an issue with you, I'm in your corner. If, if, mm -hmm. if, if people don't like the fact that you, you use he, they, she, they and, and, and have different pronouns, fuck them. <laughs> it's your life. Don't. That's a different thing. Anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, me and Krista, we got your back. We got your back. <laughs> and there is loads Just of other people some. out there who have got your back as well. And there's some amazing people in the community who will always yep. have your back. Do not, if a company does not have your back, they're not a company worth your time. And honestly, I don't know any company that, that wouldn't have your back on that, to be totally honest. If there is, I haven't heard of them yet. And, but, um, yeah, like every single company that I have worked with or have had contact with or have friends in, they have been super supportive over changing names, over making sure to use right pronouns and everything like that. Um, games are starting to use pronouns with their characters and everything. It is normal and it is fine. Um, and if you, if you do not agree with that or support that, this is not a podcast for you. Sorry. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, you've, so, not, you've you've clearly not li been listening to Darker Days Radio for the last couple of right? years at all, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, before we start to end this, I have a, a little like advice thing, but I want to ask Carrie and Dave: Is there any other questions that you guys have that you came up with throughout this podcast that you want answered? Uh, I cannot think of anything, quite honestly. I think you covered, like, all the high points. I'm sure that I'll remember something, like, tomorrow. and be like, oh, I should have asked that. But as of right now... I'll get to no. that at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I and Dave... on that point, I was going to say, it's like, I, I've, I've not really got anything. And I, I know kind of the, the, the plan for the future of this podcast. So I know a lot of the questions that I might have are going to be answered. But also, it's like, if if you do come up with questions that you want answering, do get in contact with us. You'll have, at the end of this and within the show notes, you'll have ways of contacting all three of us um, and Darker Days Radio and other people yep. within the community. If you have questions, I think one of the biggest things that we can always state is never be afraid to ask. We've stated it multiple times throughout this episode even whether it's just fellow writers, whether it's somebody who is further along in their career as a freelancer, whether you're talking to your, your lead developer, your lead writer or something, never be afraid to ask. And if they're not answering, keep asking yep. and keep going through there. And if they don't answer, then go to somebody else that you know and never be afraid to reach out to somebody. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I learned over the or I've learned over the last five years of me doing this is generally most people are actually okay if you ask them to do something most people are like 
yeah, yeah, no, I'll do that for you. So if there's somebody out there that you have a connection with that you, you respect and you want them to maybe do the editing on something for, ask them. Yep. There's no harm in asking. And, and if they say no, then, well, that was five minutes of your life writing an email. What's the problem? <laughs> um, never be offended. Always be open to asking and open. So. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, we're going to close this off with some advice. And I have some stuff written. And I'm sure Dave has some stuff and... Carrie might have some things too that as a newcomer you're kind of taking into uh, into your your process and everything like that so and that's um, one of the first things is to hype each other up um, uh, support other creators share their projects when you can um, back at PDF levels do the PDF level, not the physical book, unless like I get physical books for stuff that I write on, but your shelves will get so full so quickly. Otherwise, <laughs> um, like seriously, you can still back a PDF or back a Kickstarter at the PDF level um, for most projects. Back a PDF because books are heavy <laughs> and expensive. Yes. Right. <laughs> Especially when um, you're moving country. As, as someone who's just moved country, yeah. PDFs are a fucking <laughs> lifesaver. Yup. Um, and, and like, there is always going to be jealousy, but you have to learn to sit with that for a little bit and, and process that and then move forward because there are going to be people who get to do cool stuff, um, such as, you know, right on avatar. Um, but that is not my place. That was not that, you know, like I, I understand I was not the writer for that, that group, you know, stuff like that it's okay to be jealous. It's not okay to let it affect yourself and others in a negative way for a long period of time. Um, support other creators back at PDF levels, talk about things. Um, once you start getting into writing, be very careful about reviews. And this is because, um, if you're reviewing products that for a company you've written for, or, um, or product line that you've written for you, you do have to be forthcoming on that. Um, and do not review the other, the stuff that you've written for. So like you will never see a Chicago by night review from me. Um, you might see me talk about Chicago by night or anything like that, but I will never do a review on the book. Um, uh, so make sure you're very careful about that. This is a very small industry. I don't think people realize just how small this is and people talk. Um, if you have been following anything in the beginning of June, you will understand where this is coming from. <laughs> um, because everybody uh, knows everybody. Yep. Everybody knows everybody mm. and everybody talks. So uh, be careful about how you are saying things and be conscious about that. Um, never ever work for free. Working for exchange of services is different. I feel like um, like Darker Days Radio, we have writers, developers, layout people, editors, and we all kind of work for like sales commissions for community content stuff. Um, and so we have a, like an agreement with all of that. Um, never work for free, um, but trading skills is 
in my in my opinion and some other people's opinions and okay but in my opinion it's totally fine um, and working for commission is, is fine as long as your commission is like a decent amount not like half a percent or something like that I think uh, on that is understanding those levels it's like we we said earlier it's like accepting that three uh, three pence four cents kind of per that seems like an thing. entire it's, un uh, it's an, an entire, entire episode I, yeah it I, is I, it's going to be I a future episode okay yeah, yeah i was like so, that seems like a, a yeah. whole lot of stuff to talk about there's a lot to talk about about how you get paid and what is okay for being paid whether it's a community content or whether you're being part of a, a larger commission for something like Chicago by Night or some other big projects out there. Um, it's a mine, minefield, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, the big yep. key is never work for free. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the opposite stand there, there from Crystal. Trading skills that's that's a to me that's a minefield because you can end up with certain things that have happened especially over the last couple of months that we've seen where people might abuse that trade of skills um and that's that's legitimate that's an absolutely yeah. legitimate view but yeah i i, um, I think never never work what? for free always make sure that you're getting something from the work that you're putting like you wouldn't go to your day job your your nine to five job whatever it is whether it's teaching or fucking science or working in an, in an industry somewhere you wouldn't go to that job because that person is going to say oh yeah, yeah yeah no worries we'll give you a bike at the end of the uh, at the end of the week because of the amount of work you've done like, that's <laughs> it's understanding that that fair trade <laughs> if, if you're working for a trade of something Make sure that the trade that you're working for is actually paying off. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll build That's this fair. building for you. And, oh, yeah, cool, I've got a car out of it. But how am I going to feed my family? Understand how, what we mean by working for free, I think, is there. Yeah. So, and then, Dave, uh, you wrote this last one, right? Yes, I did. And this is something that I came up across when I first started doing publishing by myself, working for companies by myself. So not, not collaborating with other writers and things and like doing my solo pictures and things. The work that you write uh, and the scenario that you, so you, you, you pitch something to a, uh, a, a company and go, yeah, and they're like, yes, cool, right, that's brilliant, write that for me, here's your guidelines, here's your word limit, here's the style guide, fit it within all this, and you do that, and you write 10, 10,000 words, or 15,000 words, or whatever it is within, within what they do, and then you don't hear from them for eight months, and then the thing gets published, and suddenly you're like, oh, oh, it's all come out and everything that you have written is not there or is the, very the entire different. concept it, it it's well it's it's uh, yeah it's it's different to how you presented it the story and things are still there expect what you have written if you're especially working for a big company 
who have IPs and other licenses within it, expect your words to change. Never be precious about what you have written, especially if you are working for a major publishing company. So whether it's World of Darkness, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons, and whether it's Paizo, yep. or whether it's... The story that you write is not the story that is going to be published. And be okay with that. Yep. And I think that's that, that was one of the biggest things that I, I had to learn when I got into commission writing i suppose not not community content obviously but within that commission writing is you can write a story and they'll take that idea and then they'll just change everything about it but can keep the idea but a lot of the the details will change so i think that's a really big advice piece of advice is don't be precious yep all right. And so, uh, Carrie, you may not have advice, but maybe something that you took away from this whole, like, really lengthy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to process it. Like, I need to go into a small room and be like, think and absorb and figure out, you know, lay it all out so it makes sense. Um, so we, we did plan this for, for what, like an hour? And what are we like? That, two <laughs> that was a lot of planning. Yeah. We're right? at two and a half hours right now. <laughs> um, I think the only thing I got is... Uh, the, the main thing is is chase it down, I think, is what the, the main takeaway I have at this moment is that, you know, if you have questions, talk to your developer. If, you know, if you have got an idea, call the company. It yeah. A lot of it seems like to chase it down. And then you have after to be that, an active participant. Yeah. You can't wait talk, to be discovered. Talk to people. Not all of us fall into it. Talk to people. <laughs> yep. Just, just so. be proactive, I think, is the word, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. And it's not just proactive to the company. It's like if it's not going anywhere, like chase up other people. Be proactive. Support yourself. Yep. It's your work. You should be proud of it. Make it. Yes. Make it happen. All right. So um, thank you guys both for um, coming on to the first podcast and for staying on for so long. I apologize for the length. Oh, no. um, I'm going to have. Yeah. Hey, you two are fine. It's still <laughs> midday for you two. <laughs> I know. It's really late for you, David. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's not um, yet midnight. Oh, well, that's good. Um, okay. So I'm going to have both of you share um, your uh, social medias. And I'll share my social media and then do the, the closing. So, uh, Carrie, why don't you go first? Uh, okay, I have a blog because everybody told me I was really funny and I had to put it all in one place so they could read it. It's called Baby Carrots. I suppose I should give the web the address, right? Baby-carrots.blog. You can read all about my ridiculous life with my ridiculous children. That's all. <laughs> all right, David? Sorry, just working out how to unmute myself there. Um, <laughs> I'm a professional. So other, other than content on Darker Days Radio with Dark Hammer and occasionally on the other side of Darker Days Radio, I also have my own actual play streaming service that is a little bit weird at the moment because I have really bad internet. 
Um, but we do actual plays over on YouTube now as the Drunken Storyteller. So you can find all sorts of indie RPGs over there with a load of really fun, amazing people. We just did one called The Shadow of Mog. Um, it's one of the first actual plays of that system. Um, and we've Ooh. done some other really big, big name actual play, first actual plays over there. Um, on the other side of that, there's a podcast that relates to folklore and, and things. And we do occasionally do how you can apply folklore and folklore festivals to RPG. But it's mainly a folklore podcast. And I think, yeah, you can find me on social media when and if I can be asked to do it as the drunken storyteller. <laughs> uh, I'm really bad at social media and I hate it. Um, you can also find me on Drive Through RPG and the games that I've done there as David Whitworth, which will be a lot of the DDR stuff and some other things. I think there's about 12, 12 to 15 games under there now. So Yeah. And that's me. All right, and you can and find me. Who are you, me... Crystal? Oh, <laughs> um, you can who are find you? me. <laughs> you can find more information about me um, at thegeekypanda.com. You can also find me on social media at Body and Soul One Five Two or at thegeekypanda.com or at thegeekypanda, um, depending on which social media. <laughs> um, if you also have questions, I am. I will leave my email as well in the show notes, but. Um, you can email me at crystal.m.mazur at gmail.com, um, or you can reach out on social media. You can also reach out through the Darker Days radio email or social media or Discord as well. Um, so you can find all of that information. Um, we are Darker Days Radio. Um, our email is darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Our Facebook is um, slash darkerdaysradio. Um, at Darker Days Radio, at all other social media. We're on Instagram, Tumblr, um, on Tabletop, YouTube, and Twitch, and our super fun Discord with a link in the show notes. Um, so please Wave come and. Use Chig. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am going to identify as a problem for him and Judcon. That's going to happen. <laughs> I am so looking for. I, I, I... Can, can you. Is there a possibility of it being a stream? Because I just want to see you two interact in real life. I can't guarantee that we're going to have a stable enough internet, unfortunately, because we're in the stadium for some of it. And the stadium doesn't really have a good internet, internet. Or just stable enough interaction. <laughs> Both. Uh, we are going to be recording it, though. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. And amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, but thank you, every, thank you everyone for joining me. Um, I will be having more um, releases of the podcast episodes um, after Gen Con. This is the first and only one I'm recording before Gen Con because I like my sanity. Um, <laughs> everything else is going to come after Gen Con. <laughs> Overrated. Um, and if you are going to be at Gen Con, please come and find me. Um, I am more than happy to talk with people um, as long as I'm not headed to an event. Um, and if you are a freelancer or you are looking to freelance, I am hosting a very casual freelancer meetup. It is going to be in the Omni Severn lobby. Um, and it, it literally, it starts at seven o'clock on, th on Thursday night, which is Eastern Stand or Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Ugh. And um, 
but you can come at any point. You don't have to come at seven. You don't have to stay the whole time. You can come as you are um, whenever you are done with your events or anything like that. Come check in, hang out with us, um, listen to us tell war stories and funny stories about how art notes can get you into trouble. <laughs> if only so, I could right. get on a plane and travel over to see you. I know, it would be amazing. I want to meet you in person so much, David. <laughs> we, we do need to try and get me and Chris and Pete over to America to meet everyone. Oh my God, yes. Oh, that would be, that'd be so awesome. So you know what? So Everybody go buy the Darker Days Radio <laughs> PDFs that we've got out on Drive-Thru RPG as freelance <laughs> writers. Support Darker Days Radio, and maybe at some point we can all get together. So me, Chig, Crystal, Mike, Pete, uh, Chris, everybody together, James, and we can all just get together and we can we can meet somewhere in the world and you can have this most amazing in-person live experience podcast. So go support the channel. That'd be fantastic. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a thank wonderful you. rest of your day. Thank Bye. you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.